Hello and welcome to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa. Today is Monday, June 20th, 2022. I have a, I have a book that is in the public domain. It's from 1898. <clears throat> this is a fascinating book. It's it's very fascinating. Um I found this book at a flea market that was in a uh, mall, a strip mall, or like, it was an indoor mall, so I guess it's not a strip mall, up in Minnesota when I lived up there when I was in my 20s, so 30-some years ago. And I, I saw this book, and it's Intramuros, and in, it's Spanish for inside the wall, and and it's an original copy. It's in pretty good shape. Inside, it was um, dedicated to Sarah Swenson, November twenty eighth, nineteen oh eight. Um, and so the book is by Rebecca Ruder Springer. She also wrote Beechwood, Self, Songs by the Sea, Leon, etc. This is copyrighted 1898 by the David C. Cook Publishing Company. I went online and it said this work is in the public domain in its country of origin. I'm assuming that's United States because it was published in Chicago. And other countries and areas where the copyright term is the author's life plus 70 years or fewer. So, um, and then in uh, Wikimedia, now I'm just, just making sure. Uh, oh no, that's something else. That's something else in the Philippines. Public Domain in the USA, Project Gutenberg. So everywhere I'm finding um, Intramuros Muros is better known today as My Dream of Heaven. But it's Spanish for Inside the Wall. Rebecca Ruder Springer died in 1904. Like died again in 1904. Um... She claimed to have a vision of Christian heaven, this is Wikipedia, and recounts this vision in her book as well as some personal insights. So I'm not going to say this is what heaven is like. I'm not going to say that because I don't know what heaven is like. Um, <clears throat> but she spent some considerable time there and the things, and I've read it two or three times. The last time I read it was a few years ago. So I'm, I'm one of those people where I can watch a movie and then five years later I can watch it again and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that part. I mean, I won't remember the movie until I'm actually watching it, you know. Same thing with books. I can read a book and I will remember that it was really good. But I won't remember events and things that happened. So, so a few years ago, I read it again. You know, uh, after like after 2018, after the Awakening series, 
And there were some things in there, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I can see where that, that could actually be true. So in my last post of professingchristians.wordpress.com, I have a blog on there. I posted on Jane Lead. Now, my interest has always been things of centuries ago. And usually I would go back to the 1700s, 1800s, you know, just to, just to see how things were. It always fascinated me how things were, you know, primitive, um, scary because they don't have the technology of today, but simple, wholesome, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And finding this book was, you know, it, it was no difference. I was just like... I, I need to read this, you know, and the, the wording is not archaic, like King James Version, Thouist, and whatever. Um, but in my post on WordPress, I don't want to get off topic, I had put on there about Jane Lead, and I don't know if you've heard about Jane Lead, but she lived in the late 1600s and <clears throat> she was a Christian mystic and they called her a mystic because of, um, you know what, I'm just going to read you the, I'm going to read you the, the post because it's just, not that my post is so good. Oh, I didn't copy and put it on there. All right, just a second. Let me find it. Okay. I had to pull it off the internet. It's not very long, but I, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to read this to you because lately I've been thinking a lot about like, what is heaven like? You know, now that we are getting close to the return of Christ, we are very definitely near the end. Um, I, as I've said before a few times, I believe the seals are opening. Uh, the seals, and in my next post on WordPress, on professing Christians, is going to be on the seals. Why I believe they are opening, um, but others are saying, no, they're not yet. Um, what I think is going on with that. I think they are opening, but as a sneak preview seals, you don't open them and it springs open like a jack-in-the-box and just vomits um, great tribulation all over the place. You know, when you open a seal, it's like you open a book. You start at the first page and then you work your way into the climax. So, um, but before we get into Intramuros, because it's not a very long book, I'm going to read it uh, for this next series on um, Kingdom Testimony, because this is her testimony, Rebecca Ruder Springer. But first, I want to kind of give you an idea of why I, I chose this next as the next testimony. And it's because <clears throat> of what I was running across in the writings of Jane Lead. Um, 
she writes about eight regions of heaven and hell. And like I said, Jane Lead lived in the late 1600s. Uh, and she was a Christian mystic, but they called her a mystic because she was seeing and writing about things that were so far out there, so beyond what other people were seeing and understanding. The um, written Bible was made public only, you know, just within the last hundred years or so before her life, maybe 200 years. But as you can understand, as you can imagine, it was not something that was very hard to understand because it was old. It was writing that was just taken out of whatever the church offered up. And so many translations were coming out. Okay. So in this post, I wrote, I want to pass something along just for consideration. And before you think, here we go, just remember, it is for consideration only. I'm not saying this is what I wholeheartedly believe, only that it is worth the consideration. And I'll interject there, the same thing goes for intramuros. I'm not saying I wholeheartedly believe this, I'm just saying it is for consideration. Back to my post, I would also like to preface it with a true statement. A century ago, or even 50 years ago, we had a whole different view of what the end times would be like. Now, however, we can see that the fantastical things talked about in the book of Revelation could easily come to pass in our lifetime. Let's say we are being enlightened in a new way the closer we get to the new day. That said, I want to, want to introduce you to Jane Lead if you haven't heard of her before. She lived in the 1600s BCE, I think that's the same as AD. She was considered a Christian mystic, which is the term they used for someone who had deep, deep encounters with God. You know, stuff most people didn't understand. Let's remember something though. An English Bible in print was a fairly new thing in the 1600s. Being available for only a couple hundred years, it had varied translations and the study of it was laborious, at the least. Jane spent hours every day dissecting the Word of God and belonged to a group that did only that, constantly. Hence, she began to have dreams and visions and then recorded her translations, meaning being caught away like Philip and Paul, to places in the Spirit. Um, I'm going to interject here. Philip was caught away to, was it Caesarea? I'm not sure. He was taken somewhere physically. Paul was taken in the spirit. Um, and so this is what Jane is saying happened with her. Okay, reading her writings takes a bit of concentration due to its style and imagery. I read a little now and then, but am by no means a follower or a disciple or anything like that. It's interesting and really gets one thinking. The idea I want to address today is her treatise written in the booklet, The Wonders of God's Creation Manifested in the Variety of Eight Worlds. Long title. Describing her translation to the eight regions allotted to human souls. In her words, deep stuff. 
Miss Lead tells of the eight levels or dimensions of our existence and destinations that she was shown by, in her words, the Spirit of Christ. It is great food for thought. I have not yet been able to disprove it through the Word of God, but it is a new way of looking at life after death. She conveys God to be more loving and merciful as to the lower regions, except, of course, the lowest reserved for Lucifer, and more expectant of the believer for the higher places. As I sometimes say, if this seems like something that immediately makes you wary, please pass on it. I'm not here to confuse anyone. But if one were to look at the sheer volumes of her writings regarding her interactions and revelations with the Most High, there might be at least a smidgen of, wow, she was shown some truly magnificent things. Um, <clears throat> only because how could anyone make, up all that, make all that stuff up? And it's scripture as far as I can tell. All right, before I list what the eight worlds are, and this is, this is brief, um, I'll list at the end of this how you can, you know, look at some of her writings, but she has, it's just, there's so many things that she wrote. It's just volumes and volumes of stuff, and it would be really hard to make all that up. It really would, and to keep it lining up with the Bible. Some of it's so deep, though, that you, you have to really, you have to be really be like, okay, um, I'm gonna have to pray on that and see how that lines up because I really don't know. Okay, so in summary, these eight worlds, as she was shown them, are the first one is this mortal, visible world where we live now, with good and evil. That leads to the death of the mortal body. That's where we are. Others have said, and I'm just, this isn't in the article, I'm just saying, this is our training ground to decide which of the other worlds we go to after this. Now, these are not separate worlds. They are dimensional regions. So it's not, she's not talking about a world like the world we're living in now where you can't leave it, you know, unless you die. Um, and the same thing is with these. You can't leave them on your own accord. But um, I guess they would be considered worlds. Because only God can decide when you, when you change from one world to another. All right. Number two. The fiery region. The dark hellish world. And I'm not going to delineate when all of the quotation marks are for where I'm quoting her. You can read... Um, I, I put the quote, you know, reference, title, citation stuff at the bottom of the article. But anyway, the dark hellish world where Lucifer, etc. go, this ultimately will be consumed and swallowed up. Number three, the airy region. For false professors believe only historically it is a place for purging. And I put in parentheses, that should give us at least a little bit of hope. Because we are all going to know someone, if these are actually correct, we all know someone who is going to be in this region. They have a false profession in Christ. They do believe, you know, they do believe that, or they don't, you know, they, I don't know. Uh, they believe it's it's a historical thing. So, okay. Number four, the watery region. 
Now remember, in Genesis, he separated the waters from the waters. There are waters above the firmament. So, number four is the watery region for the truly converted that have not passed through the new birth of regeneration. Little pain, agony, sorrow, but also little joy or pleasure. Those in this place are also able to finish the purging process. Okay, so this gives us hope that, that there's pur the purging after death can keep on going. Our loved ones who said, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus talk, are not going to burn in fiery hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, unless they are, unless they are Satanists, I guess, you know. I guess it's uh, the fallen nature of a person has to be purged out of them. We didn't ask for this fallen nature. This is what I'm saying. I, yes, yes, I believe in a, in a hell. And, um, oh, one second, please. All right, daughter calling. Uh, okay, now, I, these are what she considers hell is, interestingly, kind of where we are right now. But two, three, and four, fiery region, airy region, a place for purging is not going to be pleasant at all. That place will not be pleasant. Purging is not pleasant. Um, I think that's our, our type of thing of Gehenna or um, the, the human ignorant hell. You know what I'm saying? Then there's the watery region. That then, and this is before you get to like paradise and others. The watery region is in between the purging, which most certainly will feel like torment. But the watery region is for the truly converted that have not passed through the new birth of regeneration. What does that mean? That means they have they have rejected the Holy Spirit. They. They feel like they've been born again. I know this is this is treading on way very much debatable bad grammar areas here. But these are people that go to church and go to church and go to church and <clears throat> they they aren't born again of the Holy Spirit so they don't feel like really reading their Bible, but they go to church and they believe that Jesus saved them, you know, you know, with through the remission of sins and <clears throat> but they did not give their entire lives to Christ because they would not commit themselves to the way of the cross. The way of the cross means that you allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you, which is not pleasant. You're putting to death yourself. You're basically putting yourself on the cross. Jesus said, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. There's people who want to be Christian, but they don't want to go the way of the cross. They reject the Holy Spirit. They have just enough of the Holy Spirit in their existence to feel that they are saved, whether it's through the cheap grace message or whatever it is, but they don't allow... Christ through his Holy Spirit to put the flesh to death. 
that's where the watery region comes in. The, it's, it's a place of finishing that purging and, and realizing what you really should have done when you were prompted to. This, and the, he, she didn't say that. This is what I'm saying. This is what I understand it to be. Um, her whole booklet on this kind of gives you that idea. This is what I understand it to be. And that's why I'm saying, you know, I kind of agree with her on these things. But then none of us have been there, you know, except now this lady at Rebecca Lady. She's going to tell us what her experience was. I will continue. So in this watery region, there is little pain, agony, and sorrow, but there's also little joy or pleasure. So they didn't finish the death to self process. Uh, the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit bring? Joy, love, peace, all those things. All right, number five. Now we're going to get getting into the heaven worlds. So there's four not good worlds and the four heavenly worlds. Number five is paradise, the paradisical world. Parad I don't know how to say that. It's paradise. It's those born of the spirit, a place to grow in stages of perfection and to finish the bridal trimmings. Okay. Now she doesn't, uh, well, you'd have to look through the whole booklet um, to see what she says about the bride of Christ because it's, her knowledge on that seems to be vast, but you can't pin it down. The Bride of Christ is kind of a abstract concept um, because, and a, a video I did on the Professing Christians YouTube on the New Jerusalem and the Bride of Christ goes a little bit more into that. Not that I'm trying to direct you over there, but um, the Bride of Christ is something that is very difficult to to give specific details and nail down because so many people are going to say nope <laughs> so I'm not even going to try but you finish your bridal trimmings in paradise you grow in your stages of perfection when you get to paradise you are not perfected you're it's it's for those born of the spirit and yes you want to you want to go to paradise but what is better? Number six, Mount Zion. This is, uh, is this where she says is the new Jerusalem? I think it is. The kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's Mount Zion. Um, David and his, this, the city of David and Zion there, that was a picture of Mount Zion. It's the habitation of the elders, the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles. It's the place where Jesus reigns with the perfected saints. Those of Mount Zion will come, will be in, in the ruling sphere in the millennium, in the millennial reign. The people in paradise, I do not believe, will leave there for the millennial reign. But I don't know. I mean, you grow in stages of perfection there, so maybe. You know, um, and it's still for the bride of Christ. Number seven, New Jerusalem. There it is. So number five is paradise. Number six is Mount Zion. Number seven is New Jerusalem. The royal seat of God the Father and the seven spirits. This is the throne area. This is encompassed by the glassy sea, 
and is the highest state the redeemed can arrive at. That's her words. So if this is the highest state that the redeemed can arrive at, it means that this is God has not put a cap on the new Jerusalem. There are more worlds besides this one. So number eight, she calls still eternity. And still eternity is, um, I put, you'll have to read it to see what she saw there. It's kind of amazing. So I'm going to say the same thing to you to encourage you to just read it. Um, reminder, I'm not asking you to believe any of this. All I'm saying is, wouldn't it make sense if a loving God had a plan to continue purging sinners of their sinful nature, even after they have left the earth and ended up in hell? Is God that hate <clears throat> hateful that he would create people just so that he could send them to hell? I don't know. I mean, torment and suffering forever and ever and ever and ever. I will agree that those who reject him and are truly wicked at heart and do heinous things shouldn't get a pass. Okay, now I also know God doesn't send people to hell. This is an interjection. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to reject him and then that's where they go. But he's a loving God and I believe that once people get to wherever they're going that is designed for their level of rejection, acceptance, transformation, sanctification, whatever it is, that once they get there, God will deal with them there. Um, I think once you die, exactly that. You cannot change your destination. That, of course, I am not saying I disagree with any of that. You have until you die to determine your destination. But after you die, then what happens? God is preparing a new world for after this one. In many writings, it talks about the eons. And these, yes, these are extra biblical texts. But even in the Bible, and I don't have that list, it, it says there are other worlds that we are going to come to. This is, we aren't just going to die and then boom, that's just it. You know, we, we sit in a field of flowers for eternity. You know, there's more to it. There's more to it. He's got a, he's got a big plan. All right. So let's see. Uh, one last thought. I sometimes like to listen to the testimonies of people who have had near death experiences. It's interesting to me how some are so much alike and then others are very different. If there were only two destinations, heaven or hell, don't you think all of the descriptions in these experiences would be extremely similar? But they are all unique and mostly different, other than the bright white light and either feeling the absence of God or seeing Jesus greet them. I'll tell you the reason why I think Jane might be onto something. I have had several dreams of heaven, quotation marks. I put that in quotation marks because they had different elements in them and each looked to be like on a different plane or something. One of them perfectly described the watery region. Another looked to be Zion. No, I wasn't taken by the spirit like she describes, at least not that I was aware of. But I think there is more to heaven and hell that, than only what we who haven't died yet are perceiving it to be like. And, and the, the dream I had about Zion, I'm going to say 
I do feel like um, the Holy Spirit was involved in that one. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that. So I end the article with, so if you're a curious George or Jane like me, here's something to at least make you say, wow. Miss Leeds writings can be found at passtheword.org. Also at uh, janelead.org. L-E-A-D. janelead.org or passtheword.org. Um the one on the eight worlds is on janelead.org, or it's the easiest to find on that one. It's somewhat buried in some of her other writings in, uh, in the other. Okay, so let's get back to, we only have a couple of minutes. Let's get back to Intramuros. This book is 94. Six pages long. It's sh it's short, um, but but like Jane Leeds, it's a bit fantastical. But it uh, sorry, I had to I had to shut my door. The wind was coming up my sliding door. Um, but I will just start with the author's preface. The pages of this little volume contain no fancy sketch written to while away an idle hour, but are the true, though greatly condensed, record of an experience during days when life hung in the balance between time and eternity, with the scales dipping decidedly toward the eternity side. I'm painfully aware of the fact that I can never paint for others the scenes as they appeared to me during those wonderful days. If I can only dimly show the close linking of the two lives, the mortal with the divine, as they then appeared to me, I may be able to partly tear the veil from the death we so dread and show it to be only an open door into a new and beautiful phase of the life we now live. If any of the scenes depicted should seem irreverent in view of our religious training here, I can only say, I give it as it came to me. In those strange happy hours, the close blending of the two lives, so wrapped about with the Father's watchful care and tender love, the reunion of friends, with the dear earth ties unchanged, the satisfied desires, the glad surprises, and the divine joys, all intensified and illumined by the reverence and love and adoration that all hearts gave to the Blessed Trinity, appeared to me the most perfect revelation of that blessed life, of which here we so fondly dream. With the hope that it may comfort and uplift some who read, even as it then did, and as its memory ever will do for me, I submit this imperfect sketch of a most perfect vision. And that is the introduction. So I will begin chapter one next week. And I will end with this quote she has in the book from, I believe that's retired Reverend Phillips Brooks. Shall we stop at that poor line, the grave, which all our Christianity is always trying to wipe out and make nothing of, and which we always insist on widening into a great gulf? Shall we not stretch our thought beyond and feel the lifeblood of this holy church, this living body of Christ, 
pulsing out into the saints who are living there and coming back throbbing with tidings of their glorious and sympathetic life. So there you go. We'll start with chapter one next week. Thanks for tuning in. This is Lisa with Kingdom Testimony and have a blessed day.